I'm so happy to be here. I am so excited to have you here. So just a quick background on how we met very recently and randomly, a mutual friend put us in touch and just said, you guys should talk and Sarah should be on an episode of Startup Life Uncensored. Fast forward to a couple weeks ago where we have our first video chat and we just discovered that we have so much in common, including where we live. So at some point, once coronavirus has chilled out, we're going to have to have a play date because we live so close to each other. Yes, please. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So I'm really excited specifically to have you on this episode because we're talking about a topic that to be honest, I've been hearing so much about, so many people are wanting to talk more about it, and selfishly, it's really relevant for me, and that is the idea of juggling entrepreneurship and motherhood, or parenthood in general. So you are the expert on this, um, so I am so excited to have you here. I don't know about expert, but I have been through a lot of very interesting experiences as a mom and an entrepreneur, so hopefully I can share some of those. Absolutely. So just to get us started, wanted to have you share a quick background on what your professional journey has been like. Yeah, absolutely. So very first job was at a place called Current TV in San Francisco, which was Al Gore's TV network. He was kind of trying to do like a, you'd upload videos to the web and then they would put them on TV. It was very early days, but that was an amazing experience. And then, you know, look, I, I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur. I got hired by a YouTube star named Phil DeFranco. He kind of taught me everything I knew about the YouTube space. And he's an amazing visionary and entrepreneur and YouTube talent and continues to build his empire. And as I was working with him, I noticed that there were many companies that were wishing to engage with YouTube talent and many talent that were starting to get really big numbers on YouTube and not sure how to manage their business. So a light bulb kind of went off in my head and I said, if I can kind of match these two sides together, I think that there's an interesting business there. And I'll give it six months and see where it goes. And that was my first company, Big Frame. And we wound up raising capital and exiting to DreamWorks in 2014. Then I went on to work for Awesomeness TV, which was part of DreamWorks at the time for three years. And then I left and most recently started my company, existing company that I'm working on now called Frolic Media. We are a community film and TV production company and podcast network for romance fans. So fun. And so Very unique. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, it is an amazing community. Just incredibly smart women who love romance novels and aren't afraid to own it. We don't use the term guilty pleasure around here. So it's just pleasure. Just pleasure. I love it. So you clearly have a ton of experience. And I am curious for you to share a little bit more about when in that career process you got pregnant and how that impacted your career journey. Yeah, it was quite an interesting experience. So my husband was a YouTube star and we we sort of dated and I started managing him in parallel. Mm -hmm. um, and that worked for us for many years until he decided he wanted to be a film director, which he's doing now. And I was like, that's not my world. Like, go get, you know, go get a film manager. I'll just be your wife, which is great. Big Frame was doing really well. Joe's channel was doing really well. And he was starting to write. And we were like, we've been married for three years and we want to have a baby. So we started trying and it took a while. And then Big Frame, we decided maybe it's time to start selling. The market seemed like it was these kinds of businesses were starting to 
to consolidate. And I was like, okay, let's maybe not have a baby right now because that would be just a very intense time. And I was like, I'll just take one more pregnancy test and then go back on birth control or whatever. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> it was new. It always new happens. It always happens. You're like, ah, oh. it was New Year's Eve 2013. And I was like, before I drink and like, it's end of the month or whatever. And I took it and I was pregnant. Oh my God. And I, I, of course, was so excited, but I was very nervous about telling my co-founder because I just felt the pressure. Like I had a story I was telling myself that this is going to complicate things. Hmm. That was so wrong. I told my co-founder, I was like sobbing. I was like, I have something terrible to tell you. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, are you not mad at me? He's like, no. He's like, first of all, I'm a dad. Kids were eight at the time or nine. And he's like, that doesn't come up, you know? And he's like, I'm so happy for you. He was so supportive. The weirdest thing was we were in negotiations with a company and I had to just like, we decided to disclose it to the lawyers. And it was before the 11 week mark, which if you know, you haven't had a baby yet. That's really when people say it's, you know, safer. You, you right. of course, make your own choices. But 11 weeks is sort of the mark where it's like, okay, now miss the chance of miscarriage kind of goes down. So we, like, disclosed it to lawyers before I, like, announced it. To... How romantic. <laughs> so romantic. I was like, legal disclosure. <laughs> um, and everyone was just like, okay, great. Congratulations. We're so happy for you. What, mm-hmm. you know, let's get back to the contract. Yeah. In my mind, I had felt like I had heard all these horror stories and these things that, you know, people don't want to acquire companies from pregnant founders. And I'm sure that that ha- has happened. And I-, I absolutely believe it. I am fortunate that that was not my experience. It's so interesting that I think a lot of women have that feeling of like, I'm so excited I'm pregnant, but oh man, I'm going to disappoint so many people. And it's so sad that what's supposed to be like the happiest time in your life, especially if it took a while, is almost looked at like a disability. It is. I mean, even in the language of your, you know, you get disability insurance when you go on maternity leave. (laughs) You know, and as we know, language is very important. You do feel like, oh, I'm, you know, this is there's, there's happiness, but as an entrepreneur or someone like rising in their career, it can be very scary. And I know that there are stories of women having a lot of challenges and, and right now, and we can talk about that too, right now, especially there is a disproportionate weight put on working mothers who are trying to manage kids in the background while doing their work and being kind of treated very poorly. And and that just has to change. You know, while I was very fortunate, after having my son, Jonah, there were situations that were were really hard. Like I got to my new office and there was like a glass door on my office and there was no pumping room. And I was like, what am I supposed to do here? You guys have to replace my door. I have to be able to pump in my office. And it's just, especially a lot of startups have a a very young population. Like I had my child, like I I was 30 when I had him. So not super young, but in LA, kind of young. A lot of my employees and my colleagues were young and didn't have kids. And so there wasn't like a thought process where like a meeting would go an hour and a half and I'm like, to pump we're gonna have a problem you know like I used humor but it was uncomfortable to be like my boobs are about to explode <laughs> in a meeting of like 30 executives oh, yeah and you it's know. one thing if you're in a room full of women or parents but it the whole thing is just so much more uncomfortable than it needs to be and it also makes me think of the fact that you know I've worked at a couple startups and 
both of those startups around the time that I first started, number one, maybe because it wasn't a developed company yet. And number two, because most people were young, they didn't really have parental leave policies like nailed down. And if they did, they were pretty awful. And I'm curious to get your opinion on at what point do you think companies need to be evaluating those to make sure that it doesn't have to be that awkward conversation with an employee? I think that a company of any size should have a policy or should have an understanding of if one of my employees gets pregnant, even my, my company is five, six people. Like, and we know what we're going to do if one of them decides to have a baby, because I think the burden of that conversation should not be on the expected mother or, or father, frankly. Yeah. It really does need to be the responsibility of the company to have a plan in place. And unfortunately it is the responsibility of the company and our government has not stepped up to the plate to, yeah. to help with parental leave. And I think that's a huge detriment to, to society, frankly, yeah. because it's confusing that those first you know, three months are so hard and so disorienting. And I went back to work when my son was eight weeks old and that was very hard. And I do feel that the company would have been flexible, but things were happening mm -hmm. with my own company post acquisition that I needed to, to get involved with. Good things and, and challenging things. You know, it's hard to integrate a company yeah. and that integration was happening in my absence and, and things that decisions had to be made without me because they were respecting my boundaries. But there were some decisions that were made that I was like, okay, I need to get back in there. And like, I felt my sort of power and my control slipping. Mm, that's um, so hard. That's so hard because it's like, I need time to be a parent and adjust to this new lifestyle, but also like, I'm still here. I still matter. I still need to be involved. How do you navigate through those challenges? It's very hard. One thing I will say is I think if I were to go back and do it again, there's two things I would, I would say to myself. Mm -hmm. One is there's a world in which, and, and it depends on your employer, you can go back part-time, especially now. I think people are much more open to, to part-time or partially work from home. And I do wish that I had asked for that mm. because I genuinely believe that that would have been better for my mental health. I had, I had a C-section. I was in I my physical health. I was in pain and it would have been better potentially for my child. He's totally well-adjusted and fine, but you know, so far he's only six, but, <laughs> and the other thing is even if you do go back early or like at eight weeks, like I did, or even earlier, some women don't, you know, they, they don't, they have jobs. They have to go back three weeks. Understand that Yes, these early days are very important. However, your child's not going to remember it. You're not traumatizing them. Do not put additional pressure on yourself and on your shoulders to say like, because you suddenly, when you become a mom, you're split immediately. And there's a narrative I think a lot of moms tell themselves, like, I'm not doing good enough at work and I'm not doing good enough. Right. And I got really good advice that I want to pass on, which is look at your, look at balance which I think is bullshit, but look at it as a, as your week, not your day. Mm. So maybe I'm, I'm more focused at work on Monday. If I look at that day, then I'm like, oh, I'm not being a good mom. But if I look at my week, I say, you know what? My child's healthy, happy, fed, you know, I pumped or I gave them formula and I'm fine. They're, yeah. they're good. And work, I got my work done. It's kind of cliche, but 
you do become more focused. Hmm. I recognized that I was creating work for myself to feel busy, to look busy, to stay hmm. at work till 9 p.m. and then be like, oh, I'm working till 9 p.m. You just stop all of that. And yeah. frankly, you're like, I work from this hour to this hour. And look, I, I went home between 5 and 5.30 every day. And I did have some commentary about that. And I just said, look, I've sacrificed this much. This, these are my boundaries. Like if that doesn't work for you, then we can have that conversation. Yeah. And I so appreciate you saying that because I am not a fan of FaceTime. I understand that you might have trust issues with an employee who's maybe taking advantage, working from home or leaving early. But at the end of the day, a lot of the people, at least I found, and I was totally guilty of this at my first company, a lot of the people who are staying till eight or nine o'clock are not necessarily being productive. And a lot of it's just like, I don't remember what the terminology is, but there's like this busy complex where people are like, oh, I'm so busy. Oh my God, I'm so, there's so much work to do. I've been working my ass off. And I'm like, is that supposed to make you seem like a better employee? Cause it just makes it seem like maybe you're not great at time management or maybe you have no life outside of work. That's exactly right. And you do realize that when, and I'm like, oh, I was totally guilty of it too. I'm like, oh, I just wanted that like badge of honor that I work 16 hour days. But I hope that that's becoming more like old school. But at the end of the day, if you're a top performer in your company or doing really well, I feel like it shouldn't matter how many hours a boss is seeing you sit in your seat. And hopefully we'll see that change with everyone working from home and companies being forced to be more flexible there. I'm really hopeful that this changes. There is a stigma. Like it certainly was, she is leaving early because she's a mom. Not because she's getting her work done or because she's more efficient or anything. And that was very frustrating. And I know a lot of people, a lot of women experience that. And quite frankly, the dads don't for the most part. Yeah. And that's just still a reality that we have to live, you know? And I'm like, well, I'm leaving early because I already had a pump like six times. Do you want, if you, if you tried that, you would never want to do it, let alone six times a day. Let me tell you, if oh. I can avoid one pumping in a day, I will. Oh my gosh. And you bring up a, a really important topic around boundaries. So I'm curious to know in all of your roles and juggling them with motherhood, what boundaries did or didn't you set up for yourself? In the early days of my son's life, I was not great at setting boundaries. I did feel the pressure to be always on. I felt really stressed when I didn't, when I did leave early. Every day I was like, oh, I'm leaving. And I feel like people are looking at me and judging me and I'm the first to leave and my employees are all still here. And when I started Frolics, Jonah was three and a half. And I just decided to kind of relinquish that feeling. And I still feel it. I'm not perfect by any means. I let myself enjoy the time that I had with him a little bit more. Instead of, I had kind of gotten into a mindset of like, it's not enough. Or like, oh, I, I, all of the time has to be like, so quality that we're at the park and we're doing the crafting. And when I realized I'm not that mom and I don't need to be for my son to be happy, both of us got happier. Mm. And that was like a really good moment for us to say, you know what? I think that there is this pressure to be the Pinterest mom. Although I do think that sheen is wearing off a little bit and that just wasn't fun. Like I didn't have, I don't have fun crafting. There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like it, don't do it. Like we do fun things. I'll do like cardboard stuff and whatever. And it looks terrible, but it's more about the process. I do think getting back to like the boundaries question, like I wasn't great at it at my first, you know, when I first had him and now I'm much, much better. So my question, again, this is like really for me personally is around this idea of setting boundaries when you are your own boss and I don't have a team. It's just me 
a team of one. And what I found, and I'm sure you did too, is once you start your own company, I'm really hard on myself as a boss. And it's like, I don't turn off. If I have a client email me at 9.30 PM, I'm responding within a couple of minutes. And I have this fear or anxiety around when I do have my first child, what are the boundaries that I'm going to set up for myself? I was talking about it with my husband last night. It's like, do I give myself maternity leave? Like how many weeks or months do I give myself before I say, okay, Ari, get your act together and go back to work? Because who the hell knows? Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's interesting. I do think that you should, because I do think you should give yourself maternity leave because the whiplash feeling of going from like nursing and being up all night to like having to get into work mode is hard. And especially when you're your own boss, those blur together so much. Right. And when you do go back, I would, and, and set your clients up for expectations. Like I'm going to be gone for eight weeks or whatever it is. And then set office hours. Mm. I think that's really important. I do that now while yeah. working from home because it's, it is very tempting. Like at three o'clock, he's like, let's get in the pool. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm still at work, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes I do, let's be honest. You know, I, I'm like, you know, these are my office hours. And then my sister does something. She's, she's a doctor and when she's on call, she can't do this, but she puts her phone after like office hours on do not disturb mm. and leaves it in the other room and lets herself, let's, she's like, I can check it once an hour. Wow. And that way she's like, I know I'm not going to miss, like if there's something like really urgent, it's only an hour at most that I miss it. And then I'm just not like tempted to check it all. Right. And it's not dinging in my ear. I mean, look, the other reality is the newborn phase. It's kind of boring. <laughs> it's disorienting and beautiful and wonderful, but it's really like feed them, clean up, change the diaper, like make sure they're breathing and then you're feeding them again. You do certainly want to give yourself some flexibility on like the phone time and the screen time. Don't feel like, oh God, I have to be staring at my beautiful child all the time. 24 You will want to a lot of the times though. <laughs> Totally makes sense. So in this process of getting pregnant, working, having your son, what did you learn about yourself that surprised you? And how did those priorities shift? I think I learned that I can handle it. It's so funny when somebody asks me like, how do you do it? I'm like, you do it because like, there's no other choice. It's a child. Like you, like, how do you get them to school on time? And then I'm like, you just have to do it. So you do it. And it's your choice. Am I going to be like stressy and anxiety about this? Or am I going to like enjoy it? Right. And like, sometimes I'm very stressy and anxiety about it. And a lot of times I just try to enjoy it. Like my dad's biggest parenting advice is let your children know that you enjoy them. Mm. Even if you're stressed and anxious, you can go kind of like, man if you can kind of go and manage that in, in another room, but let your child know that you enjoy them and then mm. you enjoy playing with them and you enjoy being with them. And I'm like, I think that that's missing from a lot of parenting advice. I love the advice that your dad gave you. And it's funny because I've talked about that with my mom before, and this is really screwed up to say, but sometimes when you're watching parents interact with their kids or not interact with their kids it's clear that they're not enjoying it. I think a lot of that does come from the pressure of parents feeling like they need to be always on, mm -hmm. you know, and I think there's a lot of studies that are coming out about like the importance of our children being bored because they're not bored. They're constantly stimulated. They have iPads. My son has an iPad. It's fine. 
They, we feel that pressure for, from the morning moment they wake up to go to bed, that, that, that they're being enriched and that we're paying attention to them all the time. If you do that, you're going to burn out. You're going to resent your kids and you're not going to enjoy them. You have to set boundaries with your kids too. And that's taken me a while. Like I'm just getting into the phase where I'm like, okay, like, I mean, I really love being a mom and love my son a lot. But last night I was like, I had a hard day. Mommy is going to sit in this room with the door locked and daddy's going to take you because I'm not going to be a mom. I'm not your mom right now. <laughs> Mommy's a timeout. I'm being mommy right now. Yeah. And you have to recognize me. And like, because I was playing with him and I was like, we're not having fun right now. So dad's going to take over. It's all good. Just going to have a little break. It brings up a good point around setting boundaries, not only with like employees and coworkers, but within your family dynamic. So would love to hear a little bit about what that's like setting boundaries with your husband. Yeah, absolutely. We have a very unique situation because my husband is a director. He has gone on three shoots. One was three months in Iceland when our son was three. One was seven weeks in New York the next year. And then last year he was four months in Germany. Holy crap. So moms are usually the primary parent anyways. There is primary parents. Sometimes it's the dad. Usually it's the mom. In our instance, it's very much me because of that situation. And it's hard on Joe, my husband, because when he comes back from these long times away, I'm like, these are the rules. This is how we handle this. This is the food he likes now. They change so much in those couple months, especially when they're little. And so we do have to be very communicative. And Jonah's just used to me being the everything, the drop-off, the pickup, the food maker, the laundry, the, you know, putting him to sleep. That's a big one that we're working on right now. We're working through that. It's not easy. But I think one thing that I recognized that I was doing was saying like, I like things done in this way. You don't do them in this way. So I'll just do them. And then maybe like be resentful and complain about it later. And so you have to, as the mom, usually the primary caregiver, just because of how things are, you can say like, if he takes Jonah to the park and he doesn't bring like enough snacks, that's okay. Yeah. It's hard to let go of that because I'm like, if I, if, I, if, if I had taken him the snack, he would have like the, the applesauce pouchy that he likes and cold water and da, da. It's fine. Yeah. You do have to let some things go. You do have to be constant communication and recognizing that like, especially in the beginning, dads feel really useless. Yeah. Well, like, funny. the dynamic you're talking about, by the way, doesn't just exist with kids. It's in all relationships. Yeah. But I imagine with kids, I mean, it's like the pressure feels higher because you're talking about a human being. But at the same time, your son is not going to remember if daddy didn't bring his favorite applesauce. The park. That's right. He's not. And he, you know, he's going to remember how much fun they had. Mm -hmm. Or he's going to remember mom calling and yelling at dad about not bringing the applesauce, you know? Well, so. And, it, and it, at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is correct me if I'm wrong, because I am one too, we're control freaks. And so I am curious, and I've heard how it changes, but I'm curious to hear your perspective on how your control freakness changes as you become a parent. Oh my gosh. So much. Yes. I mean, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have a control freak tendency and that's why we're good at what we do. But I mean, Jonah gave me my first lesson in letting go of control before he was even born because don't worry, my child was two weeks late and I had all these plans. My husband had a shoot. Like he had to leave when Jonah was one week old to go on a shoot. And we were like, oh, he'll be like almost a month old. It will be fine by then. And I had a C-section that was not planned. So, you know, I had to work through a lot of those emotions around like I didn't have the birth that I wanted. And like he was so late. These kids, they really do come out how they're going to come out and when they want. A very unique personality. Like he is 
his own person completely. And as a control freak, I'm like, oh, I have these expectations or these visions of how it's going to be. And when it's not that, it does take some integrating. You know, it does take some time to integrate like my expectation with the reality of like who my child is and how he is in the world. And again, going back to that, my dad's advice, like enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you can't let that go, then children feel like they're not good enough. You know, they grow up with that complex. And it's also like the cliche of like, my house is always dirty. And like, I just, it's, and there's toys everywhere. And like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. what's the worst that can happen? Someone comes over and my house is dirty. Right. I can't wait for someone to come over and see my dirty house. I miss people. <laughs> Well, and I think what you're talking about is so important. And again, it doesn't just exist in parenthood, but I think like the volume is definitely turned up. I know I refer to it as like the fantasy that I create in my head around all these scenarios because I'm a control freak and, you know, in my head, it's like, oh, well, if I was just in charge, it would be perfect. And it's like, it's really, it's a lot of pressure. And I know that even with my pregnancies and having miscarriages and even this pregnancy, like I had these fantasies of how it was going to go. And I think the reason why those moments were so painful and traumatic is because I had that fantasy in my head. And when it didn't go my way, I couldn't cope. And like mourning that, not even like the loss of a child, but mourning the fantasy that no longer exists is really hard. And I feel like as screwed up as it sounds, I feel like that was my initiation and my training into parenthood because I learned, I'm not the best at it, but I've learned to relinquish that control. And I just think it's going to be so helpful as a new mom. It is. And it's hard. And it's, it's a part of our personalities. And trust me, I grapple with it every day. I think a lot of what we're talking about today, and, and it is really important, and whether you're a parent or not, is about managing your own boundaries and your own ideas of what things should be and look and feel like. And that goes for running a business. Things don't go how you expect ever. When I'm having difficult parenting moments, I do try to put myself back in my a mindset of running a business. Hmm. And it helps because I'm like, what would I do if this was my business? How would I solve this? Would I like cry in the corner? Like maybe for a minute, but then I'd come back and I'd be like, okay, we have a plan. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to allow my emotions, but I'm also going to like, I kind of run my house like how I run a business. I think that's brilliant. I think that's fantastic advice because it'll force people to get out of their head and take on a new perspective. But parent like you run a business is such an awesome concept. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's worked for us. And I mean, even down to this, people are gonna be like, she's insane. But like, we have like a family mission statement. I love that. Wait, what's your mission statement? <laughs> I, have to, I have to go find it and read it. But it's about our values. It's like, we value joy. We value passion to other people. We always leave anywhere we visit better than we left it. Cleaner, if, it's, if we're camping or at somebody's house, we always leave our house better than we left it. And respect. Mm. Those are like the tenets of our... I love it. That sounds like my marriage contract. <laughs> and I definitely, when we have a child, I love the idea of coming up with a family mission statement. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's really worked for us because we can always go back. Like when things kind of feel like they're going off the rails or whatever, it's like, okay, remember like the foundation is respect and, and respect is a, is a huge one. I think with kids, like mm -hmm. I've had a couple of people comment, like you talk to your kid, like he's an adult. And I'm like, yeah, cause he can handle it. Like, of course, age appropriate stuff. We engage him in conversation. We respect him as his own person. Sometimes I have things where I'm like, oh, I wish you were like a little calmer, a little quieter. But like, <laughs> you know, we respect who he is as a person. And, and I'll give my husband all the credit on that one. That's really like, 
his core value is around respect and just not talking down to people or saying like, why would you do that? Mm. My husband's like very big on never saying that to our son. Yeah. It just makes him, it belittles him, makes him feel bad. But it's something we all say, we don't even think about it. Like, why would you do that? So I give my husband a lot of credit for that one. And we have our challenges for sure. There was a phase where he wouldn't sleep and he was three. He wouldn't go to bed. He wouldn't get in his car seat. He wouldn't, you know, and you just have these, you have these hurdles. And so I'm curious though, because with those moments, the inevitable sleep issues and things like that, how do you show up to work and like, be productive during that time or not? Because like, I don't know, in my head, it's like if I were working for a company and I had those days where I didn't sleep, I feel like I'd have to call in sick. I'm not going to be a good employee. I I honestly think I went into like an altered state of consciousness. <laughs> I was just talking to someone about this the other day where I was like, I remember so clearly Jonah would get up at like four in the morning and he was like, eight months old and I would go take him to the beach. We'd have like an hour and a half at the beach. I'd get coffee. I'd come home. I'd like shower, feed, whatever. I had like an entire day before then, then I'd go to work. I genuinely don't know how I did it. I wasn't even drinking coffee because I was nursing. You just kind of push through it. And yeah, there were days when I would leave earlier and just be like, I can't, I, I can't, I'm not, work, I'm not functioning. And you just have to be honest with that. And hopefully you have a company or you're working at a company that that's accepted. You learn what little sleep you can survive on for sure. <laughs> at least I did. I know every baby is different. My child, he's a morning person and I am too. But man, was I in bed by like 7 p.m.? Yes, I was. <laughs> totally understandable. Totally. And understandable. a total zombie. Just like. Right. Yeah. Right. That part I'm not looking forward to, but I feel like I'm emotionally prepared for it. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because I don't know what it is, but you just kind of like push through it. Like you're just, you don't know if it's like adrenaline or hormones or just like necessity or knowing that there's an end date, frankly. Also, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like when you, when you have a newborn, like you are in survival mode, not only for yourself to survive, but you're literally like, how do I keep this little weird human alien thing alive? Yes. It's very much that. Yes. <laughs> It is survival mode. And so you, I think your body goes into like fight mode and you have adrenaline and your body kind of is like, all right, we got this. Right. Definitely hard days, but there were days where I was like, oh, I woke up at 3.30 and like made it to the end of the day and okay, my body could handle it. So what would you say were some of your biggest challenges after having Jonah and how did things change as he got older? I would say like feeling sad that I missed a lot of his like early days. And that's why I say if you can, if you have have the luxury, the privilege to talk to your employer about part-time or work with your clients if you're working for yourself to just ease back in. That was the big challenge when he was little. When I do feel sadness that I missed a lot of like early young time, but it's interesting. Like I was saying to another mom, this time, this forced quarantining has felt like a second chance for me to have almost like a second maternity leave. I don't want this to be happening and I wish it didn't happen. But if it's going to happen, I'm going to take a perspective of like, I didn't get that time with him in the early days. And now I do. Like what a gift in this chaos to be able to have this like special time with him. I'm like tearing up even just thinking about it. Cause like, it is hard as a mom to look back and be like, I missed parts of his life, you know, but this is almost more special time because he's going to remember it. I can actually interact with him. So right, I can right. like let myself go of that guilt. And I think a lot of moms have that. A lot of moms I've talked to. And then, sorry. Oh my goodness. I did not expect it. <laughs> Talking about your kids is emotional. <laughs> I'm like, here, talk about the most vulnerable thing you've ever done in your whole life in front of a group of people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm happy to do it. See, we can be vulnerable. And then as he got older, it was definitely 
definitely um, as they as their personalities develop. The hard thing is you feel like you have a grasp on you're like okay I got this and then they change. Mm-hmm. And you're like okay I got this and then they change. And certainly working for yourself or working for a small company or running a small company, you have to, just going back to setting boundaries, those are the biggest hurdles of like balancing like, okay, I could just stop at three and swim with him, but I shouldn't. I need to push through this. Or, oh, someone wants to set a call for me at 6 p.m. Once in a while, that's fine. But if you're doing that all the time, setting those boundaries and the, and those change as they get older. It's so funny because as you were saying how like, as soon as you get used to something with your child, it changes. I can't help but think, oh, that's how startups are. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, oh, babies are just little startups that you created. That's how I look at it. And it helps. I'm telling you, it helps so much to think about it that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because I know working at startups, like one of the biggest points of frustration, but also the exciting part is that constant change. And it forces you to become super flexible and adaptable. And I remember I'd have employees who would get so frustrated that things are constantly changing. And I'd have to remind them like, hey, it's changing for the better. So I mean, let's roll with the punches and keep it going. And in my head, it's like, I'm just going to have to think about parenthood like that as well. (laughs) Yeah, you do. It gives you a little buffer from being like, yes, this is like a very important job. It's the most important job you know, that you'll do. But it does give you a little buffer. Like, I do have the tools to deal with it. Even if you don't think that you do, you do. Certainly there are cases where children who do need extra help and special considerations and care, and then you address those at that point. But if you can give yourself a little emotional buffer from like, I think we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves as mom of like, oh, I did this one thing and I'm going to like ruin. I try to take humor again. I'm like, oh, that goes in the therapy jar. Like put a dollar in the therapy jar. Like I literally, I said to somebody yesterday, I said, it's not a matter of if I'm going to screw up my kid. It's a matter of how I'm going to screw up my kid. <laughs> I literally said to someone yesterday, I was like, I am just, at this point, I'm so curious to know what my kids are going to mention to their therapist yeah. 20 years from now. Because like, it's inevitable. We are not perfect. Yeah. And I also, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I love being an adult and talking to my parents about the way they raised me. I mean, my parents have no recollection of my fondest childhood memory. And then I remember saying to my mom recently, because she was in a really big position at a company when I was really little, she was the breadwinner and the full-time working parent. And I said to her, how did you not come home and get so frustrated and just scream at me? Because I feel like my patience is going to be really tested. And my mom's like, you don't remember me screaming at you? (laughs) I was like, I have no recollection. She was like, oh yeah, I have really bad days. It's just so bizarre to think about my experiences versus theirs. And it's such a fun thing to talk about with them. I love that you brought that up. Like if you have your parents in your life, I definitely recommend doing that because I had a very similar experience with my mom where she was like, I was never around. I was running the company. You know, I used to yell at you guys. And I was like, mom, I literally do not remember that. Like I cannot look back and be like, oh, my mom wasn't there at like the 1992 third soccer game of the season like I don't recall that at all like what I do recall is like amazing family trips and, the, and again I'm not everyone has this relationship with their parents 
But if you do have a relationship with your parents, your mom or your dad, whoever raised you, certainly recommend having those conversations because it can be very enlightening. It can be very freeing because mm. you do think in the moment, like, oh my God, I yelled at my child. He's going to remember this. I scarred him. I da, da, da. He cried. I made him cry. I made him, you know, we're humans going to make mistakes. Kids are very adaptable. I mean, my son was just like, oh, we're locked down. Great. Cool. I'm into it. Certainly he's had days where he's like, I miss my friends and da, da, da. But he's stoked to be home with us. He hated going to school. <laughs> I'm like more nervous about what's going to happen when school opens back up. He's going to be like, uh, excuse me. Speaking of adaptability, he's going to have to roll with the punches. Yes, he is. There's a lot of unknowns of what's going to come out of this time, but I'm hopeful for the kids that are my son's age that they will be more adaptable to things and they will be able to say like, went through this thing and remember some of it, but probably not a lot of it. And hopefully it, it gives them a sense of adaptability and resilience. That's another thing like that I'm trying to learn and I'm trying to instill in my child is that resilience and that grit and then going back to the startup thing that's a lot of what people talk about you need to be successful in startups is resilience and grit and that's a big correlation between resilience and grit in children and success mm -hmm. and there's some great podcasts I can recommend so just to kind of wrap things up what is your like bite-sized nugget of advice that you would give to entrepreneurial women who are either pregnant or considering starting a family. You can do it and you should if you want to because the mental and emotional hurdles that are often put in our way, both real and perceived, the joy of having a child is far, far outweighs the challenge. I love that. I'm a big advocate. I think it's frankly made me a better entrepreneur, more focused. I'm also an advocate of if you don't want to have kids, not having them and not going down to that pressure. Again, my number one thing is enjoy your children. Not all the time. They can be extremely loud and stressful and you're not meant to be like stuck with them for months on end like we are right now. Yeah, this is a new challenge. This is a new challenge. But if you can let your kids know that for the most part, more or less you enjoy being with them. Everything else is kind of details to me. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your open, honest, uncensored experience on this really important topic. Absolutely. It was great to talk about it. And I'm so excited for you and your journey and here for any questions. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thank you.